Welcome to Family Room Discussions, where you invite me, Dalton Anderson, to your Come Follow Me study, and we discuss ideas, questions, and insights to the week's lesson. I am not a church historian or a scripture scholar. I am your average saint seeking to build my faith in Christ and deepen my testimony of the gospel and the scriptures, and I have found that by discussing Come Follow Me with others, it helps me to do just that. My sincere hope is that you will allow me to join in your gospel dialogue. With that introduction, let's start this family room discussion. Sisters and brothers, family and friends, this is episode 37, following along with Be Still and Know That I Am God, Doctrine and Covenants, sections 98 to 101. I hope you had a fantastic Labor Day weekend. Uh, this episode should have been coming out at 9 a.m. this morning, but instead it's coming out tonight. The reason is that, uh, one, poor planning, but two, um, I went with my sister-in-law and brother-in-law, uh, Tyra and Zach, who I've had as guests on this show before, went down with them to Zion National Park in Utah to hike Angel's Landing. I've hiked it before, and uh, hiking it again was amazing. We had a really great time. At least I did. I guess I can't speak for them, but had a really great time, and uh, it's a really fun hike. I recommend it if you've never done it before, unless you're afraid of heights, maybe not. But uh, I personally, am, I love heights, so it was really fun. Um, the only thing was that uh, we had to wait three hours just to be able to start the hike. I don't know if it was COVID protocols or... or I, I have no idea. I, I'd never asked and I didn't really care to, but it ended up being a really fun time just being able to uh, stand in line and talk with them. And we had some really fun discussions and just being able to bond closer together was a great experience. And then today we went over to my parents' house and swam in their pool and had a fun Labor Day holiday. So I hope you also had a great Labor Day uh, weekend and were able to do some fun things with family and friends or whoever and that you were safe. That, that's important. Uh, so I'll just be completely honest. Before we begin, this is the third time that I am recording this introduction. I, uh, I've i rambled on in the prior two tries to explain a thought that I, I don't really know what I'm trying to get at. I don't, I think I'm just trying to share something that's part of my soul that doesn't really have a reason, um, which I which I think is fine. So I'll, I'll try and share it quickly right now. I've been asking myself over the last couple months, why am I doing this podcast? Obviously, when I began, uh, and I, I share this in the introduction that goes in every episode, that I wanted I wanted to be able to have discussions with people from all types of family units and what those family units look like, and be able to share perspective as well as to essentially be invited into the family. What I think ultimately has happened, if I were to be honest, is that I just invite you into my family room, essentially. Um... I, I studied the lesson and then I just share the things that I, I pick up on. And I've honestly been thinking, I'm like, how helpful is this really to to you, the listener? It's something that I keep mulling over and over again. Now, I don't want it to feel like uh, what I'm getting at is like, and I'm going to stop doing this podcast. That's not what's happening. I really love doing this. And I've um, there's been some real blessings that have come into my life just because of doing this. Uh, one, which I've find the most valuable actually is that it's opened up a lot of great discussions um, with those of you who listen just when I'm out and about and uh, being able to talk to you about you know what you liked from uh, thoughts that I've shared and then thoughts of your own especially right being able to hear your perspective on things has been incredibly valuable to my life and and just it really does fill me with a lot of joy. Uh, I've also gained new skills which has been a lot of fun. But yeah, I, I, I got to be honest, I've been thinking just how effective is this? So this is a thought I think I've been mulling around a lot. I don't have any answers. 
Um, if I'm being honest, I, I can't imagine it being that effective as far as like a tool in your life, in your life to help you. Maybe it is. Um, if nothing else for me, and the reason I will all like, hopefully for a long time, continue doing this is that I love being able to just essentially send out a bat signal that if nothing else, you, you know, that regardless of the things that are happening in the world and the increasing wickedness and I, I've shared how many friends that I've noticed that I've lost. Um, not as in we're not still friends, but just friends who I thought were really solid in the gospel and uh, that they had a, a really sure foundation of conversion and testimony and all that and then uh, find out that not as much and I, maybe I should have been there for them more. If nothing else, what I hope is that this is a bad signal to all of you who maybe are feeling the same way I am of like, man, are we losing more and more of uh, Christ's followers? And uh, I just want you to know that there's at least one person here, one person out there who is, and obviously way more, but one person who really is just, regardless of the trials, the the struggles and the temptations and all of that is here with you also just trying to like figure it all out, you know, just trying to live the gospel um, best possible and to constantly be repenting and trying to strive to come closer to God. Um, you're, you're not alone in this. And I think that's ultimately what this is um, for me is that too often I hear people say that they feel alone and, and uh, I don't want anyone to feel alone because we're, you're not, we're not, we, we are in this together. And, um, the biggest thing is I know that Satan would love for all of us to just feel alone because he feels alone. Um, even with one third of the hosts of heaven, he ultimately knows that he is alone and would prefer not to (laughs) go out quote unquote alone to be able to use that word one more time in a sentence. And so I want you all to know that you're not alone. And, uh, if nothing else, that's that's my why, and and that's good enough for me. So hopefully I can evolve, figure out how to more effectively connect, have actual discussions, because I don't like the fact that this is just a one-sided, here's my thoughts, and I'm going to figure it out, and, and hopefully it becomes more helpful or, or whatever. Whatever, what... <laughs> Whatever your why is, why you continue listening, I want to be able to help you have more of that in your life because really I think that's what we're all trying to do is just help one another out and get closer to Christ. So with all of those thoughts that really led to nothing, let's get into the lesson. For the saints in the 1830s, Independence, Missouri was literally the promised land. It was the center place of Zion, the city of God on earth, which they were making great sacrifices to build. To them, the gathering... Uh, The gathering of saints there was an exciting and glorious prelude to the second coming. But their neighbors in the area saw things differently. They took issue with the claim that God had given the land to the saints, and they were uncomfortable with the political, economic, and social consequences of so many people from an unfamiliar religion moving into the area so quickly. Soon, concern turned into threats, and threats turned into persecution and violence. In July 1833, the church's printing office was destroyed, and in November, the saints were forced to abandon their homes in Jackson County, Missouri. 
Joseph Smith was over 800 miles away in Kirtland, and this news took weeks to reach him. But the Lord knew what was happening, and he revealed to his prophet principles of peace and encouragement that would come for the saints. Principles that can also help us when we face persecution, when our righteous desires go unfulfilled, or when we need a reminder that our daily afflictions will eventually somehow work together for our good. Um, this is a tough time in church history, and will continue to be, obviously, as we move forward and learn more. But just in this discussion I had this week, right, talking about, um, I, we were talking about just church history. I believe it was with, with Zach. I, I could be wrong, but I think it was with Zach, and I'm sorry for if it wasn't. But we were just discussing how, man, how tough it would have been to be a, t- a pioneer, you know? And then, and then we continued talking. It was like, well, I wonder if the pioneers would look at our day and say, man, how tough it is, how tough it would be to live in their day, right? And how um, it's not about a comparison of like, well, who had the tougher trial? I don't think that's what it is at all. I think it's that we've been prepared for the time that we're living in. Everyone was prepared for the time they're living in to be able to handle and manage the trials that would come. And so if that's true, which I believe it is, uh, and, and I don't know if you do or not, but if that is true, then that means that you can take great comfort in knowing that the trials and tribulations you're going through are something that you've been prepared for before you even came to this life to experience them. And that's a great comfort for me, knowing that even though I go through struggles. And like I said, when I think of the pioneer struggles, I'm like, I am so glad I have mine. But on the other hand, I don't think my struggles are easy things to deal with either. And so I think we can both appreciate what others have gone through and also recognize that what we're going through is tough as well, but that we have indeed been prepared to go through these things. One other thought here too is that uh, where it talks about how uh, the Missourians were uncomfortable with the political, economic, and social consequences uh, of this, you know, unfamiliar religion. I feel like we're experiencing that. I know at least I do where I'm at uh, and the parts of the world that I go and, and at work and, you know, all those things that I do carry certain beliefs and values because of my belief in God and uh, the principles of the church and the gospel that make me quite peculiar. Oh, that's a tough word. Peculiar. Oh, that really is a tough word for me to say right now. One second, I'm going to take a swig of water. Peculiar. There it is. And we've been told it's good. It's a good thing to be a peculiar people. And uh, I would be prepared from at least the trends that I'm seeing and witnessing that... There's going to be a, uh, a continual sifting, if you will, of those who are willing to stand by righteous principles versus seeking just to constantly be making peace with other people's principles who are more committed to theirs than the saints are to ours. And that's something that I've been preparing myself for. Um, I've actually been asking myself the question, if it came to it, if... Uh, I couldn't have a job because I was a Latter-day Saint, which I live in Utah, so I don't see that happening. But you never know. Certainly could. But what if? Would I be prepared to stand by my religion? Would I be prepared to stand by my belief system? Even at the sacrifice of other things in my life that I, I love participating in. Like, I love my job. And I love various social groups that I interact with who 
don't have the same belief system that I do, would I uh, be willing to stand by those beliefs at the expense of, of losing other things? I keep saying the answer is yes, and I truly hope that I mean that, obviously. Um, it would be great if I, I suppose, never needed to prove it, but I, I don't know if we do get to make it through this life without having to prove our commitment to God. Uh, any of us, really. I think at some point, whether it's, you know, like this pioneers that were the early saints that we're reading about here, where they had to stand by it by being cast out or defending Joseph Smith, just defending their new belief system and all that. Or like us, where, you know, we may need to bear testimony at a time or, I don't know. I don't know. But those are the, that's what kind of what I've been facing myself with. So, in the first section, it says, my trials can work together for my good. Uh, some of our afflictions in life are caused by our own choices. Others are caused by the choices of others. And sometimes, no one is to blame. To blame, bad things just happen. I, I highlighted that last one because I think that really covers it all, right? Sometimes it's our own fault. Other times it's someone else's. And for me, at least, I think very often it's just because bad things happen in mortality. It's the moral world. It's the fallen world we're in. And I, I, I think it can be a natural man symptom to look for someone to blame or to have kind of someone that can take the fall. And honestly, just often it's, it's nobody's fault. It's just the fact that we're in a fallen world. And I think being able to be at peace with that is a really healthy thing. I know for me, the times where I'm unable to be at peace with that, I can feel kind of the, the grinding, I'm trying to find an excuse, who can I blame, whose fault can it be so I can put my frustration at that thing. And typically it's like, that's just life. And I think it's, for me at least, I've noticed that I am a lot like more mentally healthy when I can just be like, yeah, that's sometimes just the way it is, even though it can be very difficult. I, I'm not pretending like it's easy, it's not. But I have found that there are real mental health benefits to being able to do that. Continuing on, it says, regardless of the cause, adversity can help fulfill divine purposes. As you read what the Lord said to the saint about the saints' hardship in Doctrine and Covenants section 98 and 101, what do you find that can help you with your trials? How can these verses influence the way you view the challenges you face? So the verses that helped me are in verse 98, verse 1. It says, Verily I say unto you, my friends, and I love, again, that Christ is, Christ is calling them his friends, uh, fear not. Let your hearts be comforted. Yea, rejoice evermore, and in everything give thanks. My question is, we're saying fear not. How in the world, if we're applying this to ourselves, how can we fear not, especially with everything going around us? I mean, for example, uh, something that's really been troubling me is the developments in the Middle East, specifically in uh, Afghanistan. Um, how are we not supposed to be troubled by things that we see happening in the world? How are we supposed to, you know, follow that commandment and, and fear not? Um, it's been, it's, I'll be honest, it's been, uh, I've spent a lot of time actually thinking about what's, what's happening. It's got, I've talked to several people who know more about the situation than I do to get their thoughts and, um, especially those who have had actual dealings in the Middle East and, and being able to tell me their perspective on things, which, which has definitely helped, right? When, when you're ignorant, like, for instance, I'm admitting my ignorance, but when you're ignorant on, on something, the best thing you can do isn't to go to uh, social media or even the news, quite frankly, because you're getting 
kind of a filtered view, but to hear from perspectives of those who maybe have firsthand knowledge. It's, it's typically the best thing. And so for me, that's given me a lot of pieces. I've been able to talk to people and hear kind of developments or things that they believe might come. Uh, that's been one thing, but I mean, really, that, it's, it's a great question for that. For me, at least, is uh, how do we follow that commandment? It feels like a commandment, right? He says, fear not. I mean, it doesn't say, like, please fear not, or I urge you to fear not, but it's like just straight up fear not, which sounds very commandment-esque. So how do we follow that? Um, well, And I'm not just going to leave it, I guess, so open-ended. <laughs> well, as we go through, I'll hopefully cover more things that I think have helped me at least not to fear. And then in verse 3, it says, Therefore he giveth this promise unto you with an immutable covenant that they shall be fulfilled. And all things wherewith you have been afflicted shall work together for your good. And to my name's glory, saith the Lord. I love that we have, taking that, that all things will work together for our good. And as I've been thinking about how have my trials worked together for my good, and and bringing that all around, here's a couple that I thought of just in my life. Um, So one of them was that I didn't have... um, I did not have a father in my home for a, a, a long minute. Um, I was 14 when my mom married my dad, who was my stepdad, who adopted me. Um, but I was 14 when that happened. And so um, while I did have a biological father growing up and then for various reasons and circumstances, he wasn't there uh, and wasn't <laughs> my father figure, I guess, um, that was definitely a trial that I went through and was very difficult for me and really, truly grateful to my dad who was able to step in. And then, you know, when I was, like I said, when I was 14, kind of help be the dad that I needed for my whole life and, and continues to be to this day. Uh, but that was definitely, definitely a difficult circumstance for me to be under. And, and that was one trial that I've thought about. How has it been? work to my good. Well, I, I have a lot of empathy for people. Um, and I also, I feel like I, I have a lot of love for people who don't come from, uh, that again, quote unquote, perfect, uh, family dynamic, right? Because I, I don't come from a perfect family dynamic. And so that's given me a lot of, um, perspective, perspective on how families are and can be and, and how it's it's okay. It's okay to not come from a perfect family. Or or guess what the world would tell us is a perfect family. Or even in the church what we tell each other what a perfect family is. That, that it's something that we're striving for. You don't just need to be born into one. Um, which again is a great comfort to me. And continues, uh, continues to be a comfort for me. Another thing it was that I've thought about was that uh, I was bullied quite a bit in spe- specifically middle school. And then a little bit in high school, but but middle school was really tough. Um, I didn't really have any bullying situation in elementary school, unless you count the girls that would kind of beat me up on the playground because I was smaller. And because in elementary, there's this weird thing where girls that have crushes on boys physically hurt them, which <laughs> we're we're really animalistic when we're in elementary school. But uh, I don't really count that as bullying. They and it, it sounds like I'm tooting my own horn, but they did tell me later through you know love notes in elementary school, the, by the way, I have a crush on you. So, um, other than that, no, in middle school and high school 
mostly in middle school though. Uh, I was bullied quite a bit and, and I know why it's not like I, you know, I was smaller than everyone. I was like a really late bloomer. So, so not only was I smaller also, uh, this will sound so shocking, but I talked a lot and was not as good at filtering my thoughts as I've, you know, come to master. Cause I'm really good at it now. And I, and I'm being sarcastic, but, uh, I remember <laughs> just a couple of things I can remember of bullying. So I, one time I was at my locker at middle school and, uh, I had this like abnormally large pencil. Um, it was one of those like funny, like gifts you get or whatever. Anyway, some kids came by my lockers. I was grabbing stuff and they saw the pencil reached and snatched it from me and like smashed it in half. <laughs> and then like, just, I don't know. I, I really don't understand the why I didn't know these kids. Um, but then they like smashed it in front of me and, and started laughing at me and called me a loser and stuff. And then I was like, okay. And that was when I was in like seventh grade. And then, um, in like eighth grade, these, these kids didn't like me in gym class because I, I miscounted a kid's pushups. It, it, it sounds weird. It was in, it was like a gym thing. You just had to understand. But anyway, I miscounted. So they called me alien, uh, <laughs> Cause I was super skinny. And so, uh, my, my shoulder blades, this sounds so sad. My shoulder blades stuck out quite a bit. Okay. Like it was kind of weird. I was a really, really skinny kid. And so, because I couldn't count apparently, uh, the amount of pushups that this kid did, um, and he was upset by that. They, they just started calling me alien and, uh, that can be pretty tough on a kid when, uh, you're in gym class and you have to go and change in the locker room and then other kids call you alien and laugh at you. And there was, I don't know, there's random, but there's lots of experience that I can remember. Um, stuff like that. Right. So that was really tough. That was really tough for me to be bullied. Um, I remember hating school a lot and I hated strangers, hated new kids. Cause I, I figured just everyone wanted to be, to be mean to me, which was not true. It's just a select group of people. But from that trial now as a, and what I, at least what I think is a well-rounded adult, um, you know, that it's given me a lot of love for people. Number one, who are bullied Two, I learned that the only person who can help to fix perspective and, and see, you know, how to, how to bring about change and to create peace is by being a peaceable person. Um, I really did over time, learn how to create peace with my enemies, uh, through middle school and high school. And while I did not make peace with everyone, especially the kids that call me aliens, I, I, I think those guys are in prison. I'm not even joking, but there were other kids who made fun of me, um, and would call me names. And for the most part, looking back, some of the, some of those people, those bullies actually became some dear friends and I'm still friends with them to this day, uh, which is great. And then others, right. are probably in prison. I don't know, but the lessons I've learned from that one was that I really did learn the whole, that classic, like people who make fun and bully other people are typically have their own insecurities. That's true. I've, I've found that that really is true. And that helped me grow, uh, gain a lot of confidence in myself. Uh, I learned that the only source truly that I can gain ultimate confidence from is from God. And I don't super care what other people think. It also helped me to develop some really tough skin. And anyone that interacts with me a lot knows that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm very sarcastic. It's a sense of humor that I enjoy and I love, and I love to tease people and I love to be teased. Um, like I said, got some really thick skin there and it's very rare for me to feel offended or to get offended, uh, which is, I would say is a product 
of the fact that I was bullied a lot when I was a kid. And so learning to not take stuff so seriously, to not take it personally, was really important. Those are lessons that have shaped me into a uh, into the man I am now. And then one final kind of trial I could think of. Um, again, this this one actually comes from high school, but when I was uh, both a sophomore and a senior, I ran for student body president. First was a student, I guess it was student brought it the sophomore president, and then as a senior, I ran for student body president, and both times did not uh, get elected. I didn't I didn't win the popular vote. Uh, not not even close actually. If I if I'm looking back properly, uh, <laughs> it was not it was not close. And that was really tough. That was really, that was really tough for me. I remember both times really having my hopes up that, that maybe I would win and, and be able to fill those positions in school. But what it did do for me, even though that was a, you know, kind of a weird trial, not, it's not like that's the toughest thing. It's definitely a first world problem. But through that trial of going through that, I actually learned how to make friends and friends from groups that I never would have thought to interact with in the first place. And has served me really well now as I go from place to place and, and meeting different people and all that. Uh, I have a good, I have a fun time connecting with people and getting to know them and creating relationships. That's, that's a lot of fun for me. So those are just three trials, nothing crazy. Well, I guess not growing up with the dad for those kind of crazy, but, but the other stuff isn't that crazy. That's pretty typical, I think. But those are just things that immediately when I was thinking about this lesson were things that I have grown from. And if I've learned anything from all my trials, especially the, the harder ones that I didn't really care to share through a podcast format, but I, uh, all my trials, I've learned a true appreciation and have gained a softer heart for other people, especially those who have gone through similar things. Um, it's really tough to be hard on someone when you have some of your own experience of what they've gone through. Now, the, on the flip side, I also don't like excuses. I have never made excuses for anything in my life or any bad behavior I have. Um, it's not like I've ever used a, for instance, I have ADD. I've never used that as an excuse to say why I have a tough time, you know, paying attention or why I go on and on and on about different stories. I don't use that as an excuse because I don't believe in excuses, but I certainly have a whole lot of empathy for others in the same situation, who can ramble on for hours, right? That is what I feel like, uh, if anything, our trials are here to, to help us. It's to help us connect. I connect closer with people because of my trials and shared trials than anything else. And uh, so I, I truly do. I, I look at my trials as a good thing and, and that works together for my good. And that leads us into the second, which is the Lord wants me, the, the excuse me, the second section, which says the Lord wants me to seek peace in his way. There's one verse in here, and I, that's really all I wanted to talk about, but it's in verse 93, uh, or excuse me, section 98, verse 23. Mix those together. Got a little dyslexic for a second, but it says, Now I speak unto you concerning your families. If men will smite you or your families once, and you bear it patiently and revile not against them, neither seek revenge, you shall be rewarded. It can be tough not to want revenge. Um, like, I, I think we've all had an experience like that where it's like someone did something mean to us, and it's like, I just want to get them back. And it's difficult, but it is a godlike trait not to seek it out. And as you go through on the, these verses, and there's, I, like I said, that's all I really wanted to cover. But as I went through and, and read, it talks about turning the other cheek, not just once or twice, but like three times, four times. Now, 
I want to balance this out just a little bit. This is going to be the gospel according to Dalton. Uh, just a little. Just a little. But I, you know, if I would have spent more time, I'm sure I could have found some things to back this up and support this. But turning the other's cheek does not mean allowing others to abuse you. That is not what that means. Um, you have every right to remove yourself from situations in which there's bullying or aggression or whatever involved. What I think the important thing to do is to not go after people or to seek retribution on your own. That's, I think, the, the the point. That's what I get. And I've seen this, actually. When I have tried to, when someone has come at me, and we'll use social media as an example because you see this a lot on social media. When someone's come at me on social media, and then I have tried to go right back at them, um, things do not go well. They, they have at least not gone well for me, and I've seen it not go well for other people. And uh, Lex actually had an experience where she shared something on social media, and then someone made a comment. Um, it, it, was a, it was a friend of ours, but they made a comment that was just, like, I don't know. It, it felt like they were trying to pick a fight. And I told Lex, and, and she was already going to do this, so I don't want to make it sound like, you know, this was me telling her what to do or anything like that. But we counseled on this, and she was already had the thought, and I said, but I said, do not respond to that. Don't get baited into a debate or a discussion on something that they're taking a really weird stance on, something that I don't think anyone agreed with them on. Um, and we, we we genuinely love this person. But I told her, I was like, it's just not worth entering into a fight. And I think that's the thing, is that we should be seeking to be peaceable and not getting our own retribution. That's the godlike trait. So if someone, if you're... And, and I'm going to take two seconds just to say, if you are in an abusive situation or you have a relationship in your life that is abusive, God is not telling you just to continue taking that abuse. That's that's not what that is, right? Um, and I hope you genuinely know that. The whole turn the other cheek is really just like, don't go and seek your own ven- vengeance, right? Like let God be the the judge of others, but remove yourself from dangerous situations, especially. And if there's any relationships in your life, where it's just it's a lot more toxic than there is good things then you have every right to remove that relationship from your life that's that's not giving you a, a good healthy things for you so that's my two cents all right in the third section it says the lord takes care of those who serve him and um in verse let's see okay so this is in section 100 and it's verse 9 to 11 it says and it is expedient in me that you my servant Sidney should be a spokesman unto this people, yea, verily I will ordain you unto this calling, even to be a spokesman unto my servant Joseph. And I will give unto him power to be mighty in testimony. And I will give unto thee power to be mighty in expounding all scriptures, that thou mayest be a spokesman unto him. And he shall be a revelator unto thee, that thou mayest know that the certainty of all things pertaining to the things of my kingdom on the earth. Uh, God sets his bounds. And, and I think this is important. That even gifts, we might be strong or have gifts in one thing, but when it comes to doing the Lord's will... Uh, especially when it's in, in groups or pairs or, or whatever, or if you have a church calling or if you're in a presidency, whatever it is, God sets his bounds and he wants us to be able to work together. Like it's not about the one man band or someone being able to take all the weight on themselves or being better at things than everyone else. Like in a perfect example is in marriage. There are things that I am really good at, strengths that I know I have. It's not even a question. And there are things that I'm really bad at. Not even a question. I just know. There, again, are things that Lex is really good at and thinks she's really bad at. Well, let's be honest. Lex isn't bad at anything. But there are things that she's not as good as I am. And so in marriage, we help one another out. But there are times where 
something that just because I'm typically stronger at, she steps up and takes care of that thing and vice versa. And God wants it to be that way. And he wants it to be that way in all of our relationships, I believe. I believe that there are times where just because you're not necessarily, you would consider yourself as strong as someone else in that thing. God sets the bounds. And he will also, he gives us more gifts, especially as we seek after them. So in this example, I love that because I feel like it illustrates that where, um, why was it? Because we know that Joseph Smith was obviously a great missionary. Uh, he had a lot of gifts, spiritually spiritual gifts that were given to him. But in this situation, Sydney uh, is the one that is supposed to be the spokesman, right? And then Joseph Smith is given the power of testimony. Just know that there are times, and and be humble for those times in your life when maybe where you would typically be good at one thing, God has set bounds because he wants someone else to be able to grow in that thing or that skill or whatever it is. And I, I'm being vague because I think the principle is really more broad than that. It's just sometimes we're going to be good and sometimes we're not going to be as good as things, but just know that we're within the bounds that God sets upon us. Um, and then in verse 16, it says, uh, for I will raise up unto myself a pure people that will serve me in righteousness. And we, I, I said it last week, I'm going to say it again. Learn to love chastisement um, because we're going to get a lot of it if we want to be made pure. This is this was uh, something that we're going to do. We haven't done a, our family home evening yet or, or study Come Follow Me as a family yet, but the one that I think we're definitely going to do is the uh, Refiner's Fire um, example, right? The, the blacksmith heating, the metal and stuff. That is a perfect example of what's happening in our, in our lives and what should be happening is that we are constantly getting uh, put into the fire, so to speak, and our trials are the fire. And we're put into the fire to be tested and to be tried and then to be have our weaknesses pounded out of us. At least that's how it feels for me. Often <laughs> there are things that I'm like, why are we going through this or why am I going through this? And it's to pound out my impurities, my imperfections. Uh, you, you, I mean, you can gripe along the journey or you could just have fun with it. Um, I mean, just it'd be positive about it. And this is coming from me who... I don't have the natural gift of positivity, but I've learned that it's a lot more fun just to kind of laugh through the, the entire process or the experience because um, it's tough and it sucks. And then finally, the fourth section, following God's counsel helps keep me safe. And the thought I want to share comes from section 101, verses 59 to 60. And the servant said unto his Lord, when shall these things be? And he said unto his servant, when I will go ye straightway and do all things whatsoever I have commanded you. This, I believe, if I understood it right, is talking about the second coming. And uh, and I'm pretty sure I got that right. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But either way, this is what my thoughts is that we all want to know when it's happening, when it's coming, when when is the Lord, especially as we see, as we see weakness. I, and I've literally been in conversations where people have been like, we've got to be close, right? Like, you look around us and we've got to be close. And I keep thinking, I'm like, I feel like we've got more to go. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is the... Maybe we are in the final moments of ultimate wickedness. Um, I mean, I don't know, right? I, I don't know. I know that uh, I've been shocked at certain things I've, I've seen this week on social social media. Uh, I don't really, again, I, I love, you know, typically keeping a pulse on what's happening in the world. But lately, I've been not less good at that because so much not great things have been happening. And so uh, from what I understand what little I understand is that Texas, I believe passed a law or something about abortions. I, again, I don't have any details. I don't want to pretend like I have any details, 
but I personally am against abortion. I think that uh, abortions are a great evil and uh, that that it, you know, in the great argument, which, which again, this is something I always have a tough time with, is like that it's really tough to even talk about moral absolutes anymore because you go to say like, yeah, abortion is a great evil and then you'll be in a conversation where someone will be like, well, how can you say that? Because what about X, Y, and Z and all these things? It's like these, these uh, exceptions to the rule. I feel like the church has a pretty strong standard on this, that um, there are three circumstances in which abortion could be considered and all of those should be taking counsel with the couple and with church leaders. And I, I feel like that's a, a great rule of thumb. I have no problem with that personally. Um, and just being a dad, having gone through the process, having friends who have had um, uh, fertility issues or have been unable to have their own child or, or friends who have turned to adoption, things like that. Taking the life of a child for any reason, I mean, that's a really serious thing. And to consider that uh, the sole argument of like, the, the my body, my choice. I always have a real tough time with that, especially when that's paired with people who are like, well, you need to get the vaccine for COVID. And I don't want to, I don't want to jump into political tangents, except at this point, it's starting to become really blurred with what we're, I mean, again, like, like with what was happening with the saints, right? Where things were getting blurred with their own beliefs, with politics. And I think we're seeing more and more of that, but uh, this week, I again, where I haven't looked into the Texas law or anything like that, I've just I've heard that it got passed, and uh, anyone on the pro life side seems to be pretty happy about this. But um, I saw some posts that really shocked me from from people in uh, not, but just people in my circles, people in my circles who, um. I typically disagree with anyway on, on certain things, but I've always been interested in their perspective and, and listening and trying to understand where they're coming from. But this week, some things from those certain people were shared that I just, I'm like, how can you, how could you morally feel like it's okay to end the life of a child just because you don't feel like, um, the, the life of a baby has, has, and, and I'll be honest, like, let's be honest, I'm going to be really sensitive about this topic anyway. Already I was a pretty strong pro-life advocate, but um, we're about to have our third child. And just, there's, there's a, there's a spiritual change that takes place at the birth of a child. And when that comes, um, I, I never was a crier. Well, that's not true. I actually, I've always been a crier. But then as I became an adult, I became a non-crier. I just never cried at anything. And then when when we were about to have Flynn, and uh, I, I remember Lex was in third trimester of her pregnancy. And we were in this movie. If you've seen Sing, it's that, that uh, cartoon movie where um, the animals sing. That, I mean, that's the best I could do to explain it. And they do covers of songs. Anyways... We were in that movie, and that movie is not a sad movie or anything. If you've seen it, you know. It's it's like kind of it's it's supposed to be a comedy and it's for kids. Anyway, there's this point in that movie. Um, it's like this funny scene where it, and if you've seen it, I hope I'm not spoiling, but also it's been out for a couple of years. So I mean you've had your opportunity, you know what I mean? 
Anyway, there's this point where one of the main characters is doing a car wash, right? And then his buddy comes to help him do this car wash. And it's supposed to be really funny. I was bawling because I was like, I just want my, my son to have good friends like that. Like, and I, I've ne- I'd never cried before, especially in movies. And it made me a really sensitive person. I became a really sensitive dad. And those are spiritual changes that have taken place. So anyway... I don't even know where I was going with that other than to say, uh, I don't know. Maybe we are, maybe, gosh, maybe it's here. I, I think the point for us is that we don't know when the second coming's happening. We're not supposed to. And I believe we're not supposed to because we just need to not be slothful. That's the ultimate point. We should be striving to not procrastinate the day of our repentance. The day is now. And we need to be doing everything in our power to help bring about righteousness, to be uh, standards for the world, um, to be those examples of those around us. And people are watching us, uh, truly. Yeah. There's people on all sides that are maybe watching, waiting for us to slip, waiting for us to mess up so they can point it out and and judge us. I know that like, I hear this quite a bit of like, Oh, you're a Latter-day Saint. You must just judge everyone. And I'm like, Nope, don't have time for that. I am trying too hard to make sure that I make it. All right. And I've literally been in conversations with people where I've made jokes about it. Like, I'm like, I just hope that I'm ready. And they're like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, I feel like you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't do drugs, all these things. Like, what more could you need to be doing? I'm like, oh, lots. Trust, trust me. Trust me. It's, it's far more than just uh, keeping the word of wisdom or, or whatever. I was like, you know, there's a lot of commandments we need to be following, like reading our scriptures every day and studying and, and all these things. Anyway. Just don't be slothful. That's, I think, the ultimate point. There are several scriptures, but the, I'm going to end with one. Because um, there, there were lots that weren't covered in this. Um, this is the one I think that that I'll, I'll leave you with. And I apologize for... I just feel like the ADD's been rampant today. In verse... Or section 100, 101, verse 93, it says, What I have said unto you must needs be, that all men may be left without excuse. Sisters and brothers, it's my testimony that we will be left without excuse. We we cannot be ignorant. Uh, we need to be understanding the law and learning the law. Uh, I know that I take this, I mean, upon myself every day that I'm like, I just, do I understand? Do I get it? Am I doing what's right? And it's not to, you know, to, it shouldn't be stressing you out or, or freaking out, obviously. But it should be something that's urging you every single day. Like, let it light a fire in you. Because we will be left without excuse when it comes down to it. When we're standing before God, when we're standing before our great maker, and he asks us, why did you do this? And why did you do that? It will not be good enough to say, because everyone else was doing it. Like, that'll be the last thing you're going to want to say. I can promise you that. And and I know God is merciful. I want to make that very clear, that I know God is extremely merciful. And it's my belief that as far as judgment goes, we'll ultimately be our own judges. Because as we stand before him and he asks us questions, and I don't know exactly how it works, I assume it'll be somewhat of a question-answer session. But as you're standing there and you can't answer for why you did X, Y, and Z, why you didn't repent, why you didn't, all these things, I think you'll be like, huh. Or at least I know I'll feel like this, but I'll be like, hmm. You know? I don't know if I fit in the celestial kingdom, honestly, because I did understand the law and I did know what I needed to do. And then I didn't do it. 
And to my understanding, the celestial kingdom, the place I would like to be, is the place for those who not only understood the law, but lived it. And so that's where I want to be, which means that I need to make sure to leave myself without excuse. And I encourage you to also feel the same because it's in the scripture, not because I said it. That's it. That's all I got. So thank you for invite, inviting me to your family room discussion. What ideas, questions, or insights did you have from Doctrine and Covenants sections 98 to 101? Until we meet again, have a blessed week.